Pokemon Gold and Silver. <laughs> Pokemon Garden State. <laughs> and it's just you, like, looking for, like, abandoned caravans and, like, drugs and <laughs> meaning of life and trying to reconnect with, like, old friends. Yeah. It's like, and it's really, really boring. It's just the worst. It's like Pokemon Go, but like, no, it's exactly like Pokemon Go. It's just really Go. fucking boring. Which is like, <laughs> you just walk around you just looking like a, never can. Yeah, looking like a fucking idiot. Like, you know, it's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, what's this asshole over here doing? <laughs> Trying to get robbed. Moltres! It's a, hey, guys, there's a Moltres over here. Like, shut up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but if you keep looking, you get to fight a knight. Oh, fuck Fuck your mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Pod Charles Cinecast, presented by the Prince Charles Cinema. This is your host, Jonathan Foster, and I am here with my depressed boy, Phil. Oh. How's it going, Phil? Phil, how's it going? How are you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you know, I'm I'm okay. You still in that okay. dopamine? Okay. <laughs> I'm on that dopamine. <laughs> that lithium? You got that the lithium, lithium drip? Valium? And that Valium? X? Marijuana? Marijuana? <laughs> Line of coke off a urinal? <laughs> Whatever you want, this movie had it. Yeah. This movie's I mean, like a uni party out of control. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... The type of party that someone who's never been to a party like what's <laughs> going on at the parties. Yeah. This is what I think parties are like, and yeah. um, this is I would be sad in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of parties, how was your Halloween? Halloween. <laughs> oh, doing one of those? Yeah, because it's in the future. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah, we're in the future. Yeah, you know, um, I can't say. Because there's the pride that's involved. Okay. But this is all right. It could, I, I don't even want to risk it, even though I know it comes out later. I had a wonderful... <laughs> I, don't, I feel like I'll jinx it. I had a great Halloween. Halloween, a great is Halloween is Dusty's birthday. Yeah. Happy so, birthday, um, Dusty. Happy birthday. So it's um, more that. So, you know, I took her out for a few things, a few pride mm-hmm. she, she liked them all. Great. I hope, great. That's I hope she needed. liked them all. Yeah, she, she was great. And <laughs> and we went home and watched a movie, probably. Sweet. I don't know. Sounds yeah, good. Yeah, it's great. It's good. I, I'm going to try to run into you uh, on Halloween. Because if you haven't oh, caught yeah. on, guys, like, you know, we're recording before Halloween. That's how before. this works. Magic behind the scenes. Oh, Spooky yeah. Um, I forgot yeah. we did that last year. Yeah, I had ran, ran into you. I was feeling like a bag of shit. You know, I had my big raincoat on because it was kind of rainy and like I yeah. felt like a big fucking giant jack-o'-lantern and I was like walking to that depressing Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. And, it's Taco like, Bell? Uh, and you guys, ha- it's the most random fucking street as well. And you guys just happen to be across the street. We were just <laughs> having a coffee. Coughs or something. Cat yeah, Nero. yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were like in between things. Like, yeah. uh, I think we were about to go Genesis or something. Yeah, well, or I'm going to run into you. Some shit? Again, I'm gonna find you somehow <laughs> find and ruin, you. ruin Dusty's birthday. Just go for just go for a walk, and it will just happen again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have? How was your Halloween? Oh, it was Apart great. It was great. <laughs> I went go for trick a or walk. I, I saw you. It was cool. I uh, yeah. <laughs> I egged a couple of trick or treaters. 
nice. pantsed them as well, and then their parents mm. called the police on me. It was all it was a whole ordeal. It was a yeah. whole ordeal. Very weird. After after being caught next Thursday. Yeah, I'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, you're making a movie. We haven't I had am. a chance to talk about that. It's been at the top of the last two weeks' episodes, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it. You're making yes, a movie. Thank you for doing that. I'm making a movie called Sorry. The Regulars. It's the regulars. The Prince Charles Cinema. Yeah, I mean, people, I guess people listening will know a little bit about it now um, because of the little intro I did. And, um, you know, if you follow me on Twitter or the newsletter, you've seen the Indiegogo page, hopefully. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm making a movie. It's it's based off, you know, my time, my fast time at Prince Charles Cinema. Hi. Uh, high <laughs> some of it has been high yeah you know it's just I've been working there a few years and I had enough funny stories and I had a story I wanted to tell about you know I, th- I thought a relatable story about people in their 20s 30 whatever without much direction and sort of caught in this limbo job you know Prince Charles Cinema like I mean like any customer service job could be seen as like a stepping stone so but that's interesting to me it's like what do you do when you don't know what to do next? Yeah. And it's a great place to work, but if you're there too long, you can become a for. And then, so the film sort of <laughs> is about trying to stop and like learn to enjoy things, you know, while you can, because you won't have it forever. But yeah, yeah, yeah obviously very much inspired by like Clerks and um, Do the Right Thing and Strangers of Paradise, Empire, Empire Records, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, very day in the life naturalistic sort of movie a lot, of, a lot of people sitting around talking talking shit dealing with annoying customers dealing with rushes and you know the, the day sort of gradually builds in intensity as it goes on and then eventually you get finally the relief of being able to go home <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's something I've been writing for a few years um, and I'm filming next May at the place that inspired it mm-hmm. Prince Charles Cinema and yeah so now everybody knows about it which is fucking weird now people keep coming up to me asking about it and <laughs> but it's been very very sweet i've had people at the cinema like customers come up and be like aren't you the guy making the movie and like wishing me good luck and people who have donated have come up to me um nice. people online have been really supportive you know i got some attention from jim cummings and edgar wright today oh edgar wright today uh, nice yeah Sick. he retweeted me so i was like it's it's, yeah, finally. Where you at, bro? Uh, now we just need uh, Kevin Smith, and then the trifecta is complete. Yeah, of like Prince Charles supported. Working on it. Uh, but yeah, um, but yeah. Thank, thank you to everyone just for the support. Thank you for putting it in the newsletter. No worries. Um, but I'll give, I'll give updates as we go, um, and I'll put it. I'll be putting it on the Twitter at the regular film, and um, on the Indiegogo page. Yeah. Start cutting over the next couple of weeks, so I'll, that will be updated. Sweet, That's yeah. And enough. if you'd like to donate, if you'd like to help make this happen and see a film of what it's like to work in the wonderful, weird, wild world that is the <laughs> Prince Charles Cinema, then uh, yeah, look at the description of this episode, and the link will be there for the Indiegogo page, so you can support the regulars and make that shit happen. We got some cool shit. Yeah, you want a T-shirt? You want a poster? You want to be in the movie? Yeah, all there all that you want a producer credit come on yeah you want to like you know basically phil have to like you know make shit up to like appease you donate a thousand 
Come on, donate more. <laughs> yeah, I put that as a joke just to just to yeah. throw it out there. Into one the lump sum. Come on. Yeah, one lump sum. You can have whatever you want. Are deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope this shit happens because I'm looking forward to it. Because um, hopefully I'll be a part of helping make that shit happen as well. And uh, it'll be a you good will. time by all. But Phil, Halloween is over. Oh, no. And we've gotten past <laughs> the spooky ookies. And now, after eating twice our body weight in candy, we are sure. in a sugar coma. <laughs> and have nothing but our thoughts to keep us company. Too bad, because our thoughts are very stupid and very deep. They have us thinking about all the deep-ass movies that we used to have, all these deep-ass thoughts about when we were young, all these brilliant-ass movies that are like the greatest, most thought-provoking movies that we've ever seen. It's time for our new arc. Two thoughts, too deep. Two deep. Remember that time you saw that film that you thought was super deep? It wasn't really the deep, but you were too dumb and young to know. It's okay though, because we are going to rewatch them to make sure you weren't just a dumbass who thought the following movie was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And well, if it is, we'll retract any preconceived notions about said movie and we will praise it. I highly doubt that will happen. It's time for Two Thoughts Too Deep. Inspired by our Donnie Darko episode where we explored Richard Kelly's confusing sci-fi thriller, a movie we both saw pretty young and thought was amazing and super deep. But then when we got older, we realized it was just more of like a silly movie with lots of plot holes, confusing direction, and clearly made by someone (laughs) in over his head. But we still love the movie. Not the director's cut. Fuck the director's cut. I'm not... Don't even get started. Don't even... We thought we'd look into some other films, though, that we thought were super deep when we were younger to see how they hold up. Of course, this arc will elicit some pretty embarrassing stories, annoying film viewing experiences, and most of all, a lot of fun. Because first up, it's a doozy. We travel to New Jersey, where we check in on the career of writer, (laughs) director, and actor, Zach Braff. We're going to figure it out. Why doesn't Hollywood hire him anymore? (laughs) So take a dose of lithium, pop on old inverted world by the shins, and do something weird with your arms and make some noises. So you can feel completely original again, for we are talking about what movie, Phil? (laughs) G-State. The Garden State. (laughs) What are you doing here? Uh, that's my mom. I recognize you from TV. Didn't you play the retarded quarterback? Yeah. Are you really retarded? No. I thought you killed yourself. What? That wasn't you? No, no, that, that wasn't me. Thank you.
to do something that no one has ever done before and that no one will copy again throughout human existence. And, and if nothing else, you'll be remembered as, as the one guy who ever did this. This one thing. Oh, I've done that one before. <laughs> At that point in your life, you realize that the house you grew up in isn't really your home anymore. That idea of home is gone. Maybe that's all a family really is. A group of people that miss the same imaginary place. If I told you a secret, you won't tell somewhere you hold it and keep it alive. My mom always says that when she can see I'm like working something out in my head. She's like, you're in it right now. And I'm looking at you, and you're definitely in it right now. I think you're right. I am it. But I like you. After many years away, television bit part actor Andrew Largeman, played by Zach Braff. That's such a shit name. Largeman. Hey, vagina. (laughs) He returns to his small hometown in New Jersey to attend his mother's funeral. There, he is confronted by various aspects of life he left behind, including his overbearing father, played by Ian Holm. His old friend, now gravedigger. Not not the monster truck grade. That'd be yeah. cool if his friend was just like monster, just a monster truck, truck digger. Yeah. This film would be so much better. Mark, <laughs> played by Peter Sarsgaard. And Largeman also meets compulsive liar Sam, played by Natalie Portman, with whom he feels an immediate connection. Together with several other figures from his past, Largeman heals old wounds and forges new friendships in his journey of self-realization that changes him forever. It's the 2004 romantic comedy drama written, directed, and starring Zach Braff. Phil, hot takes out the gate. Garden State, is this movie good? Or does it just have a bomb-ass soundtrack? I stole my joke. (laughs) (laughs) That was the whole premise of this episode. Yeah, I was just going to say, you were going to say hot take, and I was going to say, this movie has a wonderful soundtrack. (laughs) That's it. That's it. (laughs) Um, uh, Garden State. I mean, it's hard. I don't want to. It's easy to shit on this movie. I yeah. feel like, but like it, like Donnie Darko, it was formative for me. Yeah, it it came at the right time. It came for me and my friends at the right time where we fucking, and it came with the right person. You know, everybody loves Scrubs, and it's like this is funny, and then it was like through him, it was a gateway into like indie movie. Um, indie sort of kind of pretentious art house movie but it's like it perpetuates a lot of negative stereotypes of indie movie it's sort of like yeah. almost it's borderline a parody it, it hits all the beats and I know it wasn't the first and it doesn't do it the best it doesn't do it that bad either like rewatching it like there's something I think very sincere about it that keeps it from being like shit for me like utter trash like there's something he's trying to get out and maybe the film is trying a bit too hard and it's a bit too obvious in places like you know 
it does boil down to an hour and a half of Meg Breath looking despondent in a series of shots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's the same shot over and over yeah. again. It's like a fucking center frame and Tim by like a wall where his shirt matches the fucking drape. Yeah. Or Tim, he's the only one who doesn't jump into the pool. Or Tim on a plane and everybody's freaking out. Yeah. Or Tim on the couch and like every the world is happening around him and he's just staring yeah. at, at the camera. While the next like, you know, coffee house indie song is playing yeah while the shins played <laughs> yeah. while cold play played yeah. while frow frow played frow but fucking bomb ass now check great yeah. car that graph is good in it he done like he played that character well i love peter thodgard in this yeah he's great I he's like great just a, just, just a good fucking present to have mm. Natalie portman good i guess yeah. kind of annoying is she like, is she meant to be mentally disabled? I don't know. It would, it, remi- it reminded me of Arrested Development. Yeah. With the Charlie Theron character. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're never quite sure. Yeah. Um, but on? like, she, I guess she could in it. But like, again, I get the thing that people always will talk about this movie that essentially, I don't know if it invented it, but I think it popularized the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Like yeah. this impossibly, like impossible female character. Like this hypocritical, like she's cool and she's hot and she's like, you know, she's really quirky and like she's into all this weird shit and, you know, she like gets you into the shin, but, you know, she never like freaked out at you. Yeah, she never like adds anything to like her own purpose. It's just all about serving him, you know, and helping him on his quest. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's only about, yeah, forcing him to change and then change his way yeah um and so it caught it sort of descends into like a sort of typical rom-com by the end it's kind of weird you know end with like spoilers like the airport scene you know that every <laughs> fucking rom-com does so yeah, like, yeah yeah that relationship is really weird and confused and like she i don't feel like i really get to know her not and at she's all like, oh my god i'm just so weird oh my god i'm just so yeah. weird i like i can't can't even believe it i have like two dogs and i killed my hamster you know it's just it's just weird yeah but there's enough honestly like rewatching it there was enough moment like that was genuinely funny and it's easy to watch it's well made it i don't think it aged that well but it's not that bad i yeah. don't think it's yeah i'm it, starting i'm trying to start positive i'm i might derail me <laughs> <you know? laughs> i'm on board with that i i uh feel like i've come full circle on this film to be honest because when i first saw it i was um 14 about to turn 15 and i went to see it with a few friends i was what well, i was like well into punk rock and shit i hadn't gotten into the shins yet um <laughs> your life I hadn't was, changed yet yeah like i i was yeah skateboarding i was just a bit of a punk like asshole and when i saw it i just like it's like fuck this movie and then, <laughs> really? yeah yeah i did not like it and uh yeah and then like none of us liked it It was kind of weird i don't know if it was because it was like you're in that group sort of mentality as well and you just like oh man fuck this movie and then yeah, like, yeah. we all just like we're like yeah fuck it and we were all like film fans as well so it's not like i was just like you know just some punk kid who hadn't gotten into films yet like we were well into our films but yeah i don't know something about it and then we like you know like parted ways from it and just i hadn't seen it for a few years and then like when i was about 18 19 i saw it again and i think it it finally hit me it was like oh okay i'm like i get it now and it's like and by that point i my musical taste had like started to 
shift a little bit and I was well into the shins by that point as well. So, um, I, and, uh, you know, I'm, I've never really been into Coldplay, but I dig. I like that, that song. That song. That I dig that album. first album. Me um, too. It's pretty good. And then a lot of the other songs are really sick in it. So like, yeah, great, great soundtrack. So I don't know, like, yeah, when I joke about like, oh, is this movie good or is the soundtrack good? I feel like, I don't know if a lot of it was like, you know, you can relate a little bit with like being in this small town because I'm from like, oh man, even even now, like the more I think about it as in, like older and going back home and when my dad died, going back home to your hometown and having to see all these people and talk to these mm. people and have these conversations like, oh, what are you doing here? Like, why are you fucking here? Like, you're in, aren't you from Hollywood? Like for me, it was like, oh, aren't yeah. you living in London? What are you? Mm. Why would you come back here? And he's like, my dad died. Yeah. And that's like a shitty thing uh, to say. So like that, yeah. like when he, that moment is actually still kind of nice. Like where just that, like my mom died. Like, you know, I had it was so weird to say this, like, you know, mm. and he's sitting there burying that fucking uh, hamster. But then Natalie Portman just like break it down with a freak out cry with her manic pixie dream girl shit, like kind of <laughs> ruined, ruined it, you know? So she's like know. manic depressive in like yeah. a cute way. Um, but yeah, now that I've come back around as even older and like, you know, it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, fuck this movie again. No, it's not that bad. It's not that bad, but there is a lot of stupid shit. I think like I was slightly blinded when I was younger as well. Like, you know, um, you know, this film like really did like perpetuate that like manic pixie dream girl shit. Like, and it's kind of bad because it's a total mm. fantasy. It's really silly. Like Natalie Portman's yeah, yeah. character like has, she's fine. Like she's doing what she has to do. She's always like I, I think Natalie Portman's one of the greater like you know actresses out there. For I think sure. she's really good, and she yeah, does yeah. what she's told to do. If like you know, like I think it, this was around a period of time as well where she was really starting to transition from that. Like, hey, I was a child who was in a bunch of films, and it's a lot of stuff that you might know or might not know. Like, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of stuff that people like your Star Wars or your Leon, you know, whatever it yeah. is, you know. To like, hey, I'm doing some indie films to like, hey, I'm a fucking proper Hollywood actress now. <laughs> like, so this is that like middle period for her, and she was just kind of doing a bunch of shit, you know, and like some of it's good, some's bad. And this is kind of like she she's fine, but that character's fucked up. It's fucking I, I feel bad because I know that manic pixie dream girl thing kind of gets thrown around in a really bad way sometimes, like where people start like uh, attributing to any quirky girl in a film. And For sure, yeah. it doesn't always like fit. Like I know uh, it, it kind of started with Elizabeth town, I think with Kristen Dunst's character, but okay. like, um, then it, this film really hit it, but then people just start throwing it on anything like, you know, Catherine Hepburn and bringing up baby. And a lot of it just doesn't really fit just because the character is like weird, like indifferent and stuff doesn't mean you throw that on her. It's like, cause you wouldn't do that to yeah. every male. Yeah. Yeah. Character. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's just like, it has to kind of fit in that sort of bracket of like, she has nothing really like, except to like help this stupid guy get along. And it's just kind of pointless. And it sets a bad example for what guys think like women are, or like that. Oh, there's this like perfect dream girl out there for you. It's a fucking fan. That women are just a vehicle. Yeah. To it's it, it's strange. Stupid. And it's part of the bigger, the bigger problem I have with the movie. Cause it's obviously why I liked it growing up. And the only sort of bits of it I still like it's like and next week's film as well <laughs> yeah. it's um <laughs> it's a, for a movie about mental health it can have a sort of bad take on it yeah or an yeah. unhealthy take on it especially when it comes to 
medicating mm -hmm. and seeking treatment and things like that. You know, the movie followed him essentially going off his meds and like essentially coming to a point where he like doesn't need anything. But but and like if this romanticized depression, um, like again, that's something you could have like every character is dealing with something, but you only really go into it with him and it's very specific what happened to him. And I don't know, it's, it's just frustrating because there's lots of moments that I, th that I thought that that felt actually really right, how that moment treated being sad mm -hmm. in a room full of people that did it well. Or yeah, yeah, coming home and dealing with people you haven't spoken to ages and or people wanting, you know, things from you or dealing with your family. Um, or being estranged from your family. But yeah, just like her, her, yeah, her vague, whatever she's dealing with. And like Peter Stardgard is clearly depressed as well. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. his did mother, like everybody is. But like, and so is that Breath character, but I feel like they never deal with it like very well. Yeah. Apart, apart from when they do. There's moments when they do, but on the whole, I feel like it's, I don't know, you could, t you could walk away from the movie with like the, I think the wrong um impression yeah yeah i mean that makes sense yeah definitely and like i think um a part of that is just like because certain times they feel like they try harder than other times to make you know like you know characters develop a little bit more or like you know just little scenes here and there like you that's why i like peter sarsgar's character because of the whole thing with his mother and like his mm. he has an arc like where yeah. he goes from like I'm living in this shitty town. I've been here this whole time. I'm a fucking grave digger. You get everything yeah. you need to know I'm about that. Like he's he's just there and he's like, you know, a large man catches him stealing, um, you know, jewelry off of people. And, you know, then that creates the whole journey of like, oh, he caught me stealing that. So he knows um, he's a friend and we had this nice time to reconnect together. And it's like really nice. And I want to do something nice for him. So mm -hmm. I go out and, you know, create this crazy journey that takes them off for a wild ride towards the final like act of the film. Mm -hmm. And he gifts them Yelling back, in the rain. <laughs> yeah, he gifts them back his little, uh, like his mother's little puzzle game necklace thing. And yeah, yeah so that that's like a nice arc for him. You get his mother there and her like obviously sleeping with like uh, a childhood Sheldon. friend of theirs, Sheldon, <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious. And he's dressed in in a full night regalia and uh yeah i mean and also he works in medieval times and i'm always down for like a medieval times reference you know come on cable guy cable guy come on yeah so on. yeah like I, I i that seems really weird and it's funny and like the, mm. you know he's just got like uh, balls on your face balls on your face yeah so like <laughs> yeah it's really it's a silly Dude, scene. <laughs> you get so much from it and you like get that arc for for uh peter sarsgaard whereas like natalie portman you don't know anything about her. Like no, yeah. you just get what's at face value and that's fine, I guess. But at the same time, like she doesn't seem like she has her own life, you know? No, she's just like, Hey, do you want to see me Dan? Yeah. Like it's like, okay, <laughs> you like, okay. You know, you work at a law office. Cool. But do you, you what do you have a four day weekend? You're just, you know, at his <laughs> beck and call the whole time. Like you're, you're not, yeah. you don't go to work. Like <laughs> I don't understand like, like why they just didn't try. It's like a, the meme of like, uh, 
you know, of like the guy who like just profusely talked that woman yeah. for an hour on a date. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, she's just great to talk to. She had a lot of interesting <laughs> shit to say. Like you just want someone to talk at, yeah, dude. And that's yeah. fine. You need a fucking therapist, yeah, man. Not, not this. Yeah. Not this poor girl. Yeah. I actually was watching it. And I was like, is this actually a movie about a guy who like, you know, comes home, gets off his meds and then just picks up an ecstasy addiction. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just all a fucking fantasy from that moment. He takes the pill. He takes the egg. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's weird. It's, it's broken up by genuinely funny theme. Yeah. Played really well. Like him dealing with the cup. It's funny. Them going to the a hardware store. store it's funny. And then other really heavy handed bits. Like, uh, like you know, soundtrack is great, but then, you know, Only Living Boy in New York is, like, very, you know, on the note thing yeah. to play right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great, but it's just, like, dude, relax, dude. <laughs> um, and that moment, you know, if I can distill indie movies, American indie movies in the 2000s, like, this movie and next week's movie may be the most 2000 movies ever yeah right just in that definitely. but like if i can distill you know in american indie movie then like the 2001 image in those three uh in the rain on a camper van yelling for yeah. no reason yeah yeah and it's yeah. like i think really overall like i i get it like it, it i feel like this is very much like donnie darko in the sense of like there's a time and a place for it and it probably catch you at a right time and then like you know mm-hmm. in con- in that context is cool but then other times you're gonna watch it and it's just not gonna hit the same anymore and i yeah and i think it was like clearly that right place right time sort of thing you know what i mean like definitely yeah, very much yeah. with donnie darko as well it was right place right time it just hit it found someone who believed in it to help it become a thing and then it you know just blew up and this sort of randomly did that as well because there's plenty of films that kind of give you almost the kind of the same thing yeah but you know better but this just kind of was received better but this one's a bigger one this is a this is a funny film because there's a lot of people who like you know i think uh trash it over the years it's kind of got a term called garden hate you know, because it was like <laughs> at one G-H. point it was loved, but then it was like, you know, people were like, fuck that movie. So yeah. I found something that was really kind of funny because some this one woman was like trying to, you know, basically talk about like why it's great and how blah, 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 blah. And she never really gave any actual examples of why it was great. So I don't <laughs> care what she had to say, but she referenced this other article in Vulture um, by this guy named Scott Brown who was talking about Zach Braff's 2011 play called All New People. So, you know, we joked a little bit about, like, um, why Zach Braff doesn't get hired in Hollywood anymore. To be honest, like, I don't remember what episode that was from, and it really was just fleeting. Me neither. It was so fleeting. It was literally, like, me making fun of those types of videos. It has nothing to do with, like, (laughs) Yeah, like, at the bottom of the article. This motherfucker, like, got paid so much to do scrubs. He doesn't need to fucking yeah. work. And I think that's part yeah. of the reason why he doesn't do as much. But then he's yeah. he's drifting around. He's doing all these different things. He's doing plays. He's doing uh, he's directing he some it. films. Um, yeah, yeah. He th- fundraised that writing. movie not too long ago. Yeah. So he's doing all he, these little bits. Yeah, he's not. He didn't hit the leading man sort of campaign. He did that podcast show, which didn't understand what podcast were. <laughs> yeah. He, he didn't hit that leading man market that like you know uh i think they were hoping he would after yeah. garden state and stuff so it didn't really he had a, didn't he really had a few movies but yeah. it didn't break there's a few i like but like yeah he didn't become yeah and guy. it's fine it, 
doesn't always happen, but you know, he's he's fine. But this made me laugh really hard. So this guy was like talking about this new play all new people and I think he kind of trashed it, but he did a really hilarious breakdown of Garden State. So I just thought I had to read it out. Yes, please. He says, All new people sits inevitably in the shadows of Braff's most indelible work. His Garden State made a hub- hubristically deliberate bid to be the graduate for exhausted aughts. Definitely. And it did, in fact, crystallize the profound self absorption of Mopas Me Bush age late 20 somethings. <laughs> We briefly guiltily enjoyed Braff's ad hoc collage, his breezy use of the modern anxiety as a fashion accessory, his crypt- uh, <laughs> this bit here, his crypto gel bait flowers for Algernon girl child love interest. <laughs> <laughs> we enjoyed these oh, <laughs> we enjoyed these things even as we recognized on some level that Garden State was an uncanny valley, an emo sumocrum of actual human feeling, a pose. Now we're cratered recession-era 30-somethings with infants and anemic stock portfolios. And looking back, we can forgive Braff for his for getting us mostly right. Rome was burning, and we were a bunch of preening, over-medicated, playlist-mongering nincompoops begging for our indie cred and youth revelance from, from an advancing army of real millennials. I know I'm starting to look old to you, Lil Joe Hoodie, but before you dismiss me, please listen to this new band I heard in Bushwick. I really think you'll want to paste it onto your face wall, wall page feed lot. Brav had the brass <laughs> to venerate his generation without an ounce of critique and fetishize himself in the process. He'll always be, first and foremost, the man who had Natalie Portman playing an epileptic pixie next door harvesting his hard-won tears in dixie cups no pardon awaits him on the other side of the cultural sticks <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> jesus christ Jeez, that was like a diss track yeah it's really that's like push a really story intense, but very funny and it was like you know yeah. a lot of times that writing kind of pisses me off because it's just like oh fuck off but that yeah. was actually it was it, just kind of funny it's it no, a little hardcore, them, but a little yeah. hardcore. Yeah. I mean, that itself is quite indulgent, but yeah. <laughs> just I, some of it was dead on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Garden State was the first film written by Zach Braff. He had ideas swirling in his head for years, but he wrote wrote it in three to four months in the year two thousand. He was inspired by the likes of Say Anything, Harold and Maude, the films of Woody Allen, particularly Manhattan and Annie Hall, and the films of Alexander Payne. Braff delivered a story that was very close to his own life, partly autobiographical, depicting his own motion, emotions when he was writing the script. He described that when I wrote Garden State, I was completely depressed, waiting tables, and lonesome as I've ever been in my life. The script was a way for me to articulate what I was feeling, alone, isolated, a dime a dozen, and homesick for a place that didn't exist. Braff estimated that 75% of the film was stuff that actually happened to him, as his Mother and stepfather were psychologists, and his stepmother was a therapist. That he paralyzed? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I always forget about that bit. It's really fucking, it's like, really, really, like, dark. It's, it's like, weird. Jesus. That's a bit. That's like a, you know, a kid getting his hands blown off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Andrew Largeman, uh, Braff worked as a waiter at a Vietnamese restaurant while trying to make it as a full-time actor. So, yeah, apparently he had moments where he, people would come in and, you know, see him at this restaurant and recognize him. Like, oh, aren't you from that thing? And he's like, yeah, so let me tell you about this special scene. 
Yeah, <laughs> we don't have bread. Yeah, and yeah, so he also had an adopted uh, sister who was from Mexico. So that's sort of where the whole idea of the African adopted brother to Kimbe or whatever is uh, from. And he also had a friend that would like to shoot arrows up in the air for fun, which fuck that guy. I would not hang yeah. out with this piece of shit. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, that's a good moment, I guess, like where she just immediately tugs on the ear. Like, you know, fuck this. Like, but yeah, Zach Braff intentionally abandoned the three act structure saying, I got tired of watching movies with the same outline where X needed to happen in 30 minutes in or else. So many films follow that structure because it's uh, so hard to get a movie made if it doesn't. So instead, he created a film where the events just unfold as if they would if you were just some guy who comes home all of a sudden. You run into some some people you knew once, uh, you hang out with them, then maybe you never see them again. And Mm. the case of my character, he also buries his mother and falls in love. A lot happens in that one weekend. (laughs) That's what happens every time I go home. I like fall in love and bury someone. Bury, bury a parent, fall in love with someone. Take the max. Yeah, take some max. <laughs> uh, the film wasn't always called Garden State, though. It was originally called... G-State. G-State. For the G-Spot. Um, it was G- called G-Spot. G-Force. <laughs> G-Force. It was called Large's Ark. As Jesus Christ. Zach Brass character, <laughs> Andrew Largman, went by the nickname Large... And according to Braff, there are intentional allusions throughout the movie to Noah's Ark with animals, the rain, the boat, and the quarry. I got you. Just please don't. There's the service dog who humps his leg, and that's not how service dogs work. Yeah. They're trained not to do that. Yeah. They had some really fucked up, like, um, code words for that dog to, like, get it to do that. You know, as well. I read. I didn't write it down because I didn't care. But Scrubs. I was just like, you know, they they just, you know, like, you know, they're just like fucking fuck that leg. <laughs> better fuck that leg. <laughs> fuck that leg. You want to get put down? <laughs> better fuck JD's leg. <laughs> At this moment, I uh, do what I always do in this time. Is uh, <laughs> there and I take it. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Braff uh, said that I originally called the film Large's Ark. He said, I always liked biblical, the biblical story of Noah's Ark, the idea that some great power started the world again. Um, for me, the idea of Large himself is trying to begin anew. He's trying to rescue all parts of himself he likes and start a whole new chapter in his life with the way, like, like the way Noah did uh, by putting all the animals and people in the ark and saved them from the apocalypse and started again. There'd be a coming rainstorm that was going to change the course of these people's lives. And he was trying to find his ark. No one liked that title, though. <laughs> the bad title. But Garden State was well received. In honor of that shitty title, I'm going to call a snack time. No, it's not over yet. We still pretend to have a little snack time now that we've got. It's snack time. It's snack time. It's snack time. We'll have a little snack time now that we've plateaued. It's snack time. 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 It's
because it was called Noah's Ark, and I had, I fucking had no idea what to do with this. Me too. Uh, bullshit film. Like, what are we gonna take some eggs or something? I don't yeah. even recall them eating anything, and I was like, bread's too lame. Yeah, um, something so jerky yeah. related. Yeah, I just didn't know. So then I was doing research for it, and I found out about the Noah's Ark thing. So I got some because uh, animal crackers don't exist. I got some Cadbury. Oh animals yeah, with uh. With Fredo? Fredo. 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 We've had Fredo before. We had Fredo yeah. from Magnolia. Oh, there's numerous. Okay, so they're individual packages. And Fuck okay, the I'll environment. Just, I'll just go for a random guy. What is it? An elephant. Elephant never forgets, bro. Did you know while swimming, elephants use their trunks like a snorkel to breathe in deep water? Yeah, I knew that. Oh, okay. There's a <laughs> weird. I thought it was gonna be like one big cracker. Okay, I get it. Yeah. They're, okay. So they're like little teeny animal <laughs> crackers, like a little monkey. Oh, cute. And there's like chocolate on the back. All right. So. Actually, pretty good. I mean, it's Cadbury mm-hmm. chocolate. Come on, it's the same thing as the Fredo. Yeah, it's actually hard to get it's wrong. Like, <laughs> um how many um how many uh returned knives do you give this <laughs> that aren't sharp enough to cut can <laughs> i give it a, a solid four four return knives all right yeah that's, not bad. that's a good scheme by the way yeah it is i would totally do that mm-hmm. um i've got yeah i didn't know what the fuck to do either um and so i think this is a repeat but we're talking <laughs> we're talking drug Everybody, I'm not going to smoke a joint. I got work <laughs> later. A, you got to yeah. go to work. Um, uh, but everybody getting high. Everybody getting, you know what I'm going to do. They're getting baked, son. Getting baked. Getting yeah. baked. I've definitely done these before. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I know you like the <laughs> oven baked. Um, yeah. I don't remember what flavor I did like. I don't time. remember what you did either. I've got that same one. Probably. It's my favorite flavor. Cheating no, cheating. <laughs> Fuck. Um, but yeah, it's just safe and good. And I'm just going to pretend in the waiting line is playing, like, in, you know, huh? just like, you know, all this hazy shit. And I'm just going to sit here and. I'm just going to chill. And you're just going to chew. <laughs> Do you believe in what Black you eat? Meat. <laughs> Eating baked blaze is good to me. I don't know why they call them walkers here, but if I was in America, they'd be called Lays. Do you believe in eating baked blaze? <laughs> is that zero seven? Everybody wants a piece of me, piece of me, piece of me. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, uh, these are great. How many return knives are you giving those? Yeah, I give them a four too. How many tap dances are you giving those? Okay, yeah. Three tap dances. Well, just four. like four. Pour yeah. all the most embarrassing things possible and make Natalie Portman do them. Yeah. Yeah, literally. But it's cute though. It's cute. One day I'm going to find a girl that's going to be so cute. Just like that. It's going to be so cute. It's it doesn't. It's like Gone Girl. <laughs> it's like that being Gone Girl, where it's like everybody wants the cool girl. 
Yeah. Now, who can drink a, who can like down a beer and eat a whole thing of pizza and don't want to have sex. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It just yeah. doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Shut no. up. You can't even do that. Fuck off. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, not surprisingly, Zach Braff struggled to get funding for the film. Uh, he was shopping around for a couple of years. I think apparently people liked the script. It was just like no one wanted to fund it until he came across Pamela Adby at, uh, Abdi and Richard Klubeck as part of Danny DeVito's Jersey Films production company who loved the script and they immediately signed on to produce. Uh, so that's why you see Danny DeVito's name there as one of the producers. Boy, nice to um, but then shortly after, Gary Gilbert, who was a man who made his fortunes in the mortgage business, like literally he's like the co-founder of Quicken Loans. <laughs> like he's lots of money. And he also is one of the co-owners of the Cleveland Cavaliers basketball team. So yeah, oh, really? loaded. He just decided one day, you know, I want to get in the movie business. And he said to Zach Braff, get the budget down to $2.5 million and I'll write you a check myself. So it was funded solely by this one man. Wow. And now this guy, Gary Gilbert, has gone on to do quite a few other films. He's not done a lot because he obviously, I think, still has a lot going on where he's just like a mogul. But uh, yeah, he also notably did uh, La La Land, produced that. So big time. Big time producer. I mean, of course, we could quickly go through the cast. I mean, of course, we got Zach Braff as Andrew Largeman. I mean, he's... Do you like Zach Braff? I I like Scrubs. <laughs> I like Scrubs, and like you said, he's he is good in this. Sometimes he's kind of annoying. I think sometimes I feel like he's delivering like just like things that are like in this film in particular. He's delivering things that just don't seem like too genuine. Particularly, okay, so his dad is Ian Holm, who and like like I really don't feel like. I care about that scene at the end. Where no, they, sort of, they don't really they engage. They, they with barely each other. like share any screen time. If you put more stuff together of them, like instead of all these fucking shots of Zach Braff feeling fucking awkward somewhere, <laughs> feeling lonely. Like, we get it. You I almost we got get chuck it. a lonely for snack time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I didn't think of that. Oh, I could have gotten a different flavor. Mm. Um, Please chuck alone. Totally. Because like, Jesus Christ, dude, we get it. Yeah. But like, you know, it's just like, I feel like there was nothing there. It was just sort of a little bit of exposition about like, oh, yeah, me and my dad and, my, you know, my mother. But you haven't shared any screen time together. So it's like, we get that you're supposed to be sort of ducking them a bit. But like, at the same time, once you have that, like, what's supposed to be this profound moment with them, it just like was a kind of a wet fart. It's like, who cares? Like, you know, like, dad, it's going to, we're going to be okay. Right. You know, we're going to be okay. You didn't do anything. Fuck off. Like, yeah, that should have literally do something in either direction. Yeah. yeah. All we have is like, it's like, yeah, him calling him. Clearly he's a bit overbearing, Mm -hmm. but it's like, also come home. Your mother's about to die. (laughs) And him just being like, yeah, I got, got a headache. Can you, get me an appointment you're my doctor right it's just it's just all a bit weird <laughs> yeah and it's like there could have been something more there considering it's yeah. a big part of his character yeah instead of him just running around Nellie Portman talking about whatever yeah it's just ridiculous speaking of Natalie Portman she plays Sam 
<laughs> she was uh, Zach Braff's first choice for the role, but he didn't think that she would accept it. So he like wrote her a letter and eventually met for lunch. And she immediately just agreed to do the part and got her agent to work it all out. Yeah, we've talked about the whole fantasy girl thing, so we don't need to keep beating that over the head. But um, she, it is she, ridiculous. Yeah, she could. She just have yeah. better. That's the what I think if you think anything, if she was like a more well-rounded character, yeah, she just I think something. the movie would have aged a bit better because everything else that re- critic guy said in Vulture, it's right, but it's not. I don't even see those as bad things. Like, I don't mind it being a very 2000 mood piece. Yeah, yeah. Because that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So that's where it came out of, and so it's being authentic in that way and it's accurate. But that's the main thing that Natalie Portman's character, the main thing that I think it aged it quite a bit. Not like that. That obviously is still a trope, but I think movies are trying to get over it. Yeah. I mean, whole- we're going to be dealing with this quite a bit this season. I, it's <laughs> kind of funny. I was looking at the next couple of episodes coming up. And it's yeah. like every single one sort of deals with either the Manic Pixie Dream Girl or the sort of antithesis of it. And also just like a lot of weird fantasy shit. So it's kind of interesting. I, we're having a conversation at work. What is the guy equivalent of Manic Pixie Dream Girl? Oh, there is a name for it. Um, is there an actual version? Because in my head, I was thinking of what it the unrealistic guy in a movie. Cause yeah. I was, cause I was saying the bad boy with the heart of gold, like the motorcycle rebel who like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like who runs over your cat, but it's cool. Cause it'll buy you flowers. Yeah. You know, that kind of guy who's like, just doesn't really exist. Yeah. Um, but is they, there a manic pixie dream boy there? They, I think they do use is that Andrew term? Garfield. They use that term <laughs> in um, everything. Some, yeah, maybe. Uh, some some examples they definitely use it in are like um, Ben Wyatt from is Adam Scott's character from Parks and Rec. Being just a nerd. Yeah, see yeah. that's the thing, you know, because it gets kind of Darko. It gets kind of thrown in a weird, you know. I think maybe it's because they don't. Maybe like people don't think there can be hot nerds. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. I, like Adam nerds that don't realize like a- how hot they are. You know yeah. that sort of thing. Adam Scott doesn't, you know, he's not like an unrealistic character in that show. I think he's pretty accurate. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one, man. It's a weird one. Like I said, I don't want to like dwell on it too much because I think it can be harmful, but like, yeah, um, if it's used wrong, but, and I think even the person who sort of coined it had to kind of apologize for how out of control it got. Because it it becomes a shorthand, yeah. yeah. No, I don't like. I don't particularly like any sort of label. Like I hate the Mary Sue. I hate that and the trope because it's such a shorthand for you don't understand characters. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I mean, uh, Natalie Portman's great. She was still in um, Harvard at the time, so she like Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, she was shooting it with. like basically while she was in her senior year and they were like, I think her, her Zach Braff and Peter Sarsgaard all met up at Harvard to like hang out and party together so they could bond and shit. So that's kind of nice. That's the guy from Scrubs. That's the guy from Boy Don't Cry. That's the girl from Leon. Glad I came to Harvard. It's like Moby. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, um, Zach. Went out um, with that one. Can you put one of my songs on your soundtrack so that, um, you know, so it can kind of look like that maybe like it was because me and Natalie had a thing or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because we were, you know, we used to date, right? Yeah, we used to date. I'm going to write it in my book. Hopefully she's never reading it. I'm going to really dwell on this thing that didn't happen. Make myself look extra creepy. Nobody listen to techno. <laughs> uh, Peter Sarsgaard is Mark. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I, I like his whole, like I said, his arc is great. Stealing shit from dead bodies, his loopholes and store policy returns and all that sort of stuff is really funny. Like, I think um, it's the, yeah, I think it's the best thing about this movie. To yeah. Uh, apparently, Zach Braff wanted him to have a tattoo to make him look like tough or something or like more menacing or like, you know, someone who's like been living in this hometown and he's hardened <laughs> by it and stuff. And then he was just like, um, no. He was no. basically <laughs> like, was like, I'll get a fake tattoo put on me you know for a few hours every day like if you let it be something stupid like a frog or something yeah <laughs> he also learned how to play guitar for the film you know he's, he's sitting in bed playing like uh adelita by francisco terraga so he's yeah. just like uh, just sitting there playing that so apparently he did that for the film That's and true. then like when this film uh went to sundance he he was uh because he's with uh maggie gyllenhaal right are they yeah, still yeah. together they are, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, I think uh, Zach Braff crashed at their place when they were doing Sundance and shit. So that's you know, nice I think they became yeah. friends and all that. Um, yeah, random out of the cast. We got like Gene Smart who plays Mark's mom, Carol. I mean, you know, it's just kind of funny, crazy, trashy mom. Lady. She, yeah, she's great. Don't hang in there too long because <laughs> I took the battery out of the car and went up that long. Yeah, she's funny. And then, uh, yeah, Jim Parsons is her, is her boyfriend, Tim. And he's also good. It's nice to see him not as Sheldon. Yeah. Because yeah, he's a definitely. good actor. Although he's still yeah. kind of Sheldon. He has, yeah, he's, he's playing nice. one character. Yeah. yeah. That's just him. And uh, we Armando uh, Risco plays Jesse, the guy who's shooting up the arrows and then it's silent <laughs> yeah. Velcro. Would you say? Yeah, that guy. Yeah. And of course. It could be a good night. <laughs> of course, Method Man is Diego. Yeah. <laughs> I Method forgot Man. he was in this film when I saw it like in the credits. I was like, fuck yeah, Method Man. Hell yeah. Yeah, uh, nice to see Method Man. And Joshua Radden had the cameo, obviously. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And like, as a fan of Scrubs at that time, yeah. I was like, holy shit, it's Joshua Radden. Yeah, he was a big, uh, well, I guess best friends with Zach, uh, Zach Braff. So yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it, that could potentially launched his career by putting yeah. him on Scrubs soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Um, yeah, so Method Man's thing is pretty funny because, like, you know, that whole scene's fucking weird. Like, the whole peep show shit going on in the hotel or whatever. Yeah, really weird. And uh, apparently he was pretty nervous about shooting his scenes with Natalie Portman because he, like, kept having to say titties. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to keep saying titties. I'm sorry. All right, the star of the film, of course. The goddamn yeah. soundtrack. So fucking slap, dude. I don't remember any of the like the original score. Like there it's was, I guess, some music, but it you know, the music for this film is the goddamn soundtrack. The music that accompanied the film was all handpicked by Zach Braff. He uh, commented on these selections that uh, essentially I made a mixed CD of all the music that I, that I felt was scoring my life at the time as I was writing the screenplay. And when Zach Braff sent the script out to people, he would also send them a copy of the songs. And this is why the actual soundtrack album, all the songs are in order they appear in the movie. So he knew what he wanted to be in the very, film. Very John Hughes, yeah. Yeah. So the music in the film features a number of indie rock artists, as we mentioned, notably The Shins, because we get both new slang, 
and Caring is Creepy playing. Caring is Creepy, that's a great song. are both great songs. Yeah, um, when you get pulled over, yeah. Change your life, man. Change your life. Yeah. Um, then we get Don't Panic by Coldplay, which is great. In the Waiting Line by Zero Seven. Blue Eyes by Carrie Brothers. Fair mm. by Remy Zero. Uh, I forgot about Remy Zero. Somebody yeah. say. Hey, it's not that song, but still, yeah. it's like Jesus. I, I hear them. I'm like, that name. I loved Smallville. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God, we should do that on franchise. <laughs> it wouldn't be an indie film without the use of a Nick Drake song. You get um, one of, <laughs> of these, course one of these things first, uh, and then we also get you mentioned the only boy living in uh, the only living boy in New York by Simon and Garfunkel. Such Great Heights by Iron and Wine, and then Let Go, sort of rounding out the film by Frau Frau, dude. Such a solid soundtrack. And yeah, if I it's can, so good. It really holds up. I was listening up. to it's it while great. I was prepping this, and I was like, "Dude, fuck! I I forgot how sick." Like it, you know, in the film when I was watching the film as well, it was like, "Yeah, all right." But then yeah. just getting it to listen to it again, like "Let Go" is a great song. It is like, a great song. So and then another, not this, not next week. I think the third week, the one, the one with, uh, I don't want to say, I don't want to spoil it. If we haven't announced it, yeah. There's another one with a very similar soundtrack, yeah. Um, the one with Robin in it. No, uh, it's uh, the last week, I think. That's, okay, the last, la- the, week, yeah. the last week, the last week uh, of yeah. this season mini arc, yeah, has a very similar soundtrack. We're gonna give you two two shit movies followed by a good movie followed by a shit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. No, no, we'll see. Fine. I'm just joking. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the soundtrack, Zach Braff, he accepted a Grammy Award for the best compilation soundtrack album. Lost Art. Bro, Lost Art. How, yeah. mu- how much have we talked about, how much love have we given to, like, compilation soundtrack? Yeah, like 1996, like, 95, 96, like, what a fucking great year. But this, like, fucking showed you could still do it. I mean, you know, obviously people always talk about the fucking, like, soundtrack Guardians. from Guard- uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff. So... But, uh, they're made of money you yeah. know what I mean and it's like it's fairly not obvious not obvious not fair like well there's a lot of well known songs yeah. used, called, this used is very like, well this, this is, is like a indie great shit. way to like introduce people to a whole new band you know you could you can see you can make a band's career the shins after this film holy shit of course I mean and it makes sense because you literally listen to the shins and it changes his life yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then you listen to the you watch this movie and you watch you listen to shins and it kind of changes your life depending yeah. on when you watch it yeah it probably changed my life in, in the negative for a while <laughs> <laughs> but there's still moments I relate to um, which I think are quite sweet yeah or like that remember be like oh that reminds me of me when I was 13 yeah and again it's a very catcher in the right situation where you can be like fuck this book it got piece of shit you know like <laughs> yeah. but like I, when you're a teenager you read it and you're like this guy's amazing is my hero that's not true that's the, that's not true. Uh, not you hated it right that away. That wasn't my experience when I was when I read it. I Fair was, enough. Fuck this book, He's an <laughs> asshole. He's a, such a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, but most people have to grow up and realize that, and that's yeah. sort of kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Is where you're supposed to, you have a different relationship every time you come back to that book. Mm-hmm. And I guess Garden State is similar. Yeah, yeah. Just I mean, to I'll, inflate I'll his ego even more. I basically <laughs> started my hot takes with that analogy, basically that I've come full circle on it. Hated yeah. it, loved it, hated. It. <laughs> <laughs> I think I it's perfect. It it's just it's perfect for this arc, dude. Yeah, it is. Too deep. It's the because it's not film. that deep. Yeah, it's the that's, great, 
the greatest thing to start off on because it's like when you watched it when you're that age you're like oh man dude oh i get it it's life bro yeah yeah it's not it kind of it kind of falls a bit yeah short maybe it feels a bit hollow (laughs) um (laughs) but it's still like an entertaining movie in itself but it's not as deep as you remember yeah that's the whole point of this arc yeah and i think this movie doesn't fairly fairly well Literally, this arc was me walking around one day with Julia, and we were on one of our, like, really long, stupid walks, and, like, I just start thinking about how funny it would be to just watch all these films and subject ourselves to it, and then, like, I immediately messaged you, new idea for an arc, this yeah. film, this film, this film, this film, two thoughts, too deep. <laughs> you're yeah. like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Almost like, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, so far, I hit and miss, like, God, yeah. if they would find to rewatch the other one <laughs> you'll find out well garden state was filmed over 25 days in april and may of 2003 and was largely shot on location in zach braff's hometown of south orange new jersey and also filmed in surrounding towns cranford livingston maplewood newark tenafly and wallington with of course some shots in new york city particularly the airport they couldn't even shut the airport down so that was like literal actual fucking people traveling uh, who are in the background in the airport scenes and Los Angeles. Uh, the film was first screened in January 2004 at a Sundance film at Sundance Film Festival where it was a big hit and it was nominated for the Grand Jury Prize. It was purchased by Fox Searchlight and Miramax in a joint venture for $5 million which doubled the film's budget and eventually released in July 2004 earning $35.8 million worldwide against a $2.5 nice. million budget. Yeah, it was a film that I think was just a runaway. It opened up in a few different, you know, very limited uh, screens, and then it just kept getting more and more popular, so it just opened in mm-hmm. more uh, cinemas, and the soundtrack, I think, just, like, they couldn't keep it on the shelf. It was just, like, yeah. a runaway success, so yeah. yeah. I have to buy crazy. that. Let's see if I can find that. <laughs> Upon its release, critics loved it. Uh, lots compared it to The Graduate. Peter DeBruge of Premier wrote, Gra- Garden State gets it. Not since The Graduate has a movie nailed the beautiful terror of standing on the brink of adulthood with such satisfying precision. In his review of Garden State, Roger Ebert gave the film three out of four stars and wrote, this is not a perfect movie. It meanders and ambles and makes puzzling detours, but it's smart and unconventional with a good eye for the perfect detail. Uh, also, he described Natalie Portman's character, which is kind of funny, um, as a kind of rather unbelievable movie creature and completely unavailable and absolutely desirable, which is like, ah. <laughs> like a great, actually, it's a really great. Yeah, he probably didn't mean it that way, yeah. but good. Yeah. All right, Phil, Garden State. I mean, whatever. Wrapped up. Yeah. It's, it's fine. <laughs> It's fine. fine. Dude, it should have hit me way harder, right? Like I'm yeah. now I'm the I'm the age now for yeah. it. I'm literally the age they are in this movie. I should be with it. But still I'm like, this is for teenagers. Yeah, I think it's emotional, like um age bracket really is just uh, quite a bit younger. Yeah. Like, you know, late teens, early twenties, yeah. not not you know, mid twenties <laughs> pushing 30. thirty. Yeah. I it's mean not, I'm just that's not it. Um I'm nostalgic for it. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to yeah. run out to rewatch it, but like there's something there for me. I don't know if you're coming to it for the first time. Maybe it was a good way. Yeah. in, man. Like yeah. at the time, 
a, a good way in for me. And I think that I don't even, I think, you know, of course the whole Natalie Portman thing is so completely unrealistic. It kind of spoils things a little bit. And I think, I don't know. I, I like to say that younger kids these days that are influenced by what they're seeing on the internet, living, you know, in the internet, these like Gen Zers and stuff are going to like come to it maybe with that sort of, like maybe they'll they'll see it they don't they won't have those blinders up like we might have had when we saw it for the first time Mm -hmm. uh but i think um there's still like something there for a young person to kind of like it's the same thing it's like donnie darko you're gonna like watch this shit and be like dude like you know because it's it's what it's trying to do but i wonder if all these films are gonna hit that way we'll find out because next week on two thoughts too deep we stay in the year 2004 as we go from a lost soul trying to find himself in adulthood who is homesick for a place that didn't exist to a man who continually fucks up his adulthood <laughs> in an effort to save the one woman he loves to create a perfect life who is homesick for a place that didn't exist with Ashton Kutcher in the sci-fi thriller The Butterfly Effect. <laughs> Holy Jesus shit. fucking Christ. Oh. <laughs> I can't wait till next week. Oh my God. Got so much to say. But you guys are going to have to wait till next week. To hear yeah, more than any other arc, I can't wait to hear what other people think about these movies. Because now we're really, yeah. if, they're, if they're, you know, yeah. the fan to like follow with us, they're going to be like, what yeah. the fuck am I watching? Especially the version I watched. Because I, I did not get the right one. Oh, God. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah. But yeah, ladies and gentlemen, let us know what you think of uh, Two Thoughts Too Deep. Like, what other films do you think we might talk about? Like, what kind of things do you think uh, are films that you thought were super deep that you probably are not too sure about wanting to watch? Because we're watching them for you. And we hope that you are watching them with us as well. Because it's kind of fun just to dive in and ruin maybe a film you once liked. Uh, but yeah, if you want to let us know what you think about all that, hit us up at the PCC Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Or send us an email, podcast at PrinceCharlesCinema.com. As always, you can support the podcast. Get these episodes early. And when we get a chance to do it, we'll give you some bonus episodes. We apologize for October. Probably ain't going to happen. But maybe... <laughs> We'll get you an extra little thing, a little bonus that will go out to the main timeline as well uh, if I can get around to finishing editing it um, with one Mr. Jim Cummings, uh, interview with him. So fun stuff coming your way. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. Support the podcast. It, you know, it's the only way we get paid mm. for doing bullshit like this. <laughs> you can find me at tall for all T-A-L, number four, A-L-L. Twitter, Instagram. Phil, where can people find you? You can find me at FarawaySnad on Twitter in real life and at the regular film on Twitter. Now, yes. that's the official page. Please go there for all um, you know, updates concerning the movie. Got some fun stuff coming up. It'll be yeah. it'll be a fun journey. Um, and the Indiegogo page is, you know, on in this episode and it's over there. Um, there's a video, the YouTube video on there that funny Jonathan very fun very funny um, that kind of tells you what the movie's about You can see if you can spot me in it yeah <laughs> <laughs> right away <laughs> right away if you're a fan of the podcast you definitely will <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so definitely check out that support Phil in this journey I want this shit to get made because it'll be a lot of fun and I think that's sort of the idea of what we're trying to do with our thing with the breadcrumbs collective and all that so it's just creating our own place to create our own art yeah it's fun yeah have fun do fun stuff with our lives <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have to go to work all the time <laughs> We're like losers, yeah, losers. <laughs> what are you doing here? 
I work here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. See you next week. Get your butterfly. Eat your butterfly. (laughs) This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.